Our top stories tonight, Aaron Rodgers will become a member of the New York Jets eventually, baby. That is from Jets GM Joe Douglas. Asked about it in public on the microphone. Says it will happen eventually. That's no help. There's people arguing that that ruins the Jets' leverage. I say no, doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. But the internet needs something to talk about. And of course, we cannot stop talking about Aaron Rodgers. We cannot stop talking about Odell Beckham Jr. because he's a free agent visiting the New York Jets as well. We expect him to sign when Aaron Rodgers is officially traded. We have all that and much, much more on Player Profiler today. And of course, Aaron Rodgers. How does Aaron Rodgers always steal the headline week after week? It's just, when is he going? Where is he going? Will he retire? Darkness retreat. Toe. Whatever. It's constant Aaron Rodgers news. He, For someone who hates the spotlight, Aaron Rodgers sure spends a lot of time making sure he's the center of attention. However, I don't blame him for this one. I do blame the Green Bay Packers for why it's taking so long. But Joe Douglas goes on record, goes in public, goes on the microphone and says that Aaron Rodgers will be a member of the New York Jets eventually. He'll be here eventually, baby. Great. Non-story for the most part, but because of the society we live in and the non-stop media coverage for controversial figures, not just Aaron Rodgers, but... We got to talk because Aaron Rodgers is controversial and any update means the goblins and ghouls in the media have to talk about it. So I've got to clear things up for you. Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. It's going to happen. He was working out with Alan Lazard on Thursday. He's announced he wants to be a Packer. The Jets have announced that Aaron Rodgers is coming. They're not even going to negotiate with Lamar Jackson because they think that would hurt Aaron Rodgers' feelings, and they don't want to do that. So this trade is happening, and it's also happening because the Green Bay Packers can't have Aaron Rodgers show up to OTAs. They can't have Aaron Rodgers at minicamp because they've already announced Jordan Love as the starter. What happens when minicamp starts if the Packers don't trade him to the Jets? What happens? He's going to be showing up. And the roster is going to be split into factions because the Packers will have no choice but to force Jordan Love into QB1. But the team's still going to gravitate to Aaron Rodgers because they've never known him as anything but their leader. So no, the Jets have not hurt their leverage by saying Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet eventually. Not at all. Just like it didn't hurt their leverage when Aaron Rodgers said he wanted and planned to play for the New York Jets. At this point, everyone knows what's going to happen. There's no other option. Sure, the Jets could chase Lamar Jackson, but they're not going to. Otherwise, if they miss on Aaron Rodgers, they're getting Ryan Tannehill. And the Packers have no other option because there is no other suitor for Aaron Rodgers. No one else has won him over. So we're at a stalemate. The trade will happen. The Packers will have to get off their high horse and accept that they're not getting a first-round pick. I've seen people speculating that the both second-round picks should go to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers' done deal. 
No, I don't think so. I think we're getting a second this year, a second next year that could become a first based on playoffs and some other statistical things that go into it. Maybe if it's Aaron Rodgers returns after the season, it becomes a first round. But this deal is happening. The leverage has not changed. And when this deal happens, or possibly sooner, Odell Beckham will be a New York Jet as well. In fact, on Monday, OBJ is visiting the Jets. And could it be that the trade is going to take place before Monday? Could it be Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet within the next 48 hours? Or is this just the Jets and Odell Beckham doing their due diligence? Probably the latter, probably both sides preparing for when Aaron Rodgers is eventually traded, but something to keep an eye on. And so this begs the question, who and how good is the NFC East or AFC East? Who's the best in the AFC East? Can the Jets compete in the AFC East? Because it's still a tough division. You've got the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. You've got the Miami Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. You've got the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick. So who's the best team here? How does the Jets offense stack up once Aaron Rodgers and Odell Beckham sign? So I wanted to break this down. I've essentially made it a a golf score and assigned points to every position. And of course, that's not fully how this works because quarterback matters a whole hell of a lot more than tight end. So ranking them equally, no, it's not fair, but this is my game and we're going to rank these AFC East teams at every position on offense. So when you look at quarterback, it's Josh Allen. Josh Allen is clearly the number one. He's the number one, whether Aaron Rodgers is in the division or not. And personally, I'd rather have Tua Tagovailoa than Aaron Rodgers at this point. Tua, more prolific. If We're talking health and putting that into the equation. Sure. Give me Aaron Rodgers over Tua, but we're not. We're just talking about who the best quarterback is. And right now, I think Tua is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. He plays faster and he is more willing to spread him and shred him. This is just my taste. If you want to go with Aaron Rodgers over Tua, that's fine. But for me, Tua Tagovailoa number two and Mac Jones, obviously, Worst quarterback in the division, but I wouldn't be that surprised if Mac Jones passed Aaron Rodgers or Tua Tagovailoa by the end of next year, depending on how the Patriots attack the receiver position. But as it stands, that is one point for the Buffalo Bills. That is two points for the Miami Dolphins, three points for the New York Jets, and four points for the New England Patriots. You don't want points in this game that I have made up. You want the lowest score possible, and good thing for the Jets too, because they have the number one running back core. And this is just undisputable in my mind. Brees Hall is just so damn good. He is electric, far and away the best running back in this division. But even while he's returning, they've still got Michael Carter. They've still got Bam Knight, who together form a pretty reliable one-two punch. So you have the high-end bell cow and great depth. Whereas the New England Patriots, they have the high-end bell cow in Ramondre Stevenson, who is worse than Brees Hall, even after coming off the ACL. I'm still taking Brees Hall. And the depth in New England, far worse than in New York. The Patriots picking up James Robinson, who wasn't good enough 
to stay on the Jets this year. The Jets cut James Robinson, opted for Ty Johnson instead, and now he's depth for the Patriots. It's him, it's Pierre Strong, it's Kevin Harris. So yeah, I'll take the Jets over the Patriots. And then at number three, give me the Buffalo Bills. James Cook, Damian Harris, Naheem Hines. It's a more well-rounded backfield. James Cook plus Damian Harris, comparable to Ramondre Stevenson. And if anything happens to Ramondre Stevenson, the Bills' backfield is much, much better. But for now, give me the bell cow in Ramondre Stevenson. I imagine they add a running back in the draft as well, so it gets even better. And the Bills stay at number three. And number four, Miami Dolphins. Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed. Same backfield as last year. A backfield that can be productive. A backfield that can succeed. Just ride the hot hand. But not on the same level. Not the same upside as Damian Harris and James Cook. Just solid backs. You can't complain about it. But number four, Miami Dolphins. So after two rounds, you've got the Jets with four points. Aaron Rodgers gets three. The backfield gets one. The Patriots, they have six points. The Buffalo Bills have four points tied with New York Jets. And the Miami Dolphins, they have six points tied with the Patriots. But before we continue on with this little game I have created, just want to hear a little word from our friends, the people that support the show. You know, people always ask me, hey, what is the the World Series of Fantasy or the Super Bowl of Fantasy Football? And it's easy. It's the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. It's a $6 million prize pool. And they've had their never-too-early best ball leagues cranking since February. And so the FFPC is the answer to so many questions. Hey, Hey, where's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC. That's why we partner with them. If you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, seasonal, best ball, dynasty, go to the FFPC. And don't forget, promo code UNDERWORLD to get you $25 off your first team. $25 off your first team, no matter what team it is, no matter what format it is, at the FFPC. Go do it. So we're back, and... We are here to talk about the wide receivers, and it is very, very clear. Dolphins, best wide receiver group. Not even close. Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, you can argue that you'd rather have Stephon Diggs, especially given the age. Either way, you're correct. Both wide receiver ones in the NFL. But Jalen Waddell over Gabe Davis just makes it a no contest. Even with Cedric Wilson as a wide receiver three, give me the Dolphins. Bill's coming at number two, and this one's... Pretty close, honestly. I think ah, once Ob- Odell is signed, I would rather have Odell. I think I might go with the Jets, honestly. I've changed my opinion. I wrote the script out ahead of time, and I'm already changing my mind. Give me the Jets. Give me Garrett Wilson. Give me Odell Beckham, because Odell Beckham, even coming off the ACL, a hell of a lot better than Gabe Davis. Corey Davis, better than Khalil Shakur. And I like Khalil Shakur. I hope he can break out. But as it stands right now, Corey Davis, better than Khalil Shakur. And Deontay Hardy, who is competing with Shakur. Denzel Mims, better than Hardy and Sherfield. Might be better than Shakur. Probably not. But still, wide receiver four for the Jets, better than the wide receiver four for the Bills. 
So give me the Jets number two. Give me the Bills number three. And of course, the worst wide receivers in the division has to be the Patriots. This is obvious. Juju, the wide receiver one. Tyquan Thornton stretching the field. Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker fighting to be that wide receiver three, four, sometimes two, because Tyquan Bourne's not a full-fledged two at this point. It's rough for the New England Patriots. So they get four points, three points to the Buffalo Bills, two for the New York Jets, and one for the Miami Dolphins. And that will close things out for the skill positions, at least with the tight end position. And I think it's pretty clear. The best tight end in the division, singularly, is probably Dawson Knox. But the combination of Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki puts them over the Buffalo Bills for me. Give me Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki combined over Dawson Knox and Sweeney, Tommy Sweeney, backup tight end, I believe, for the Buffalo Bills. Quentin Morris, give me the Patriots duo instead. You could argue the same thing for the New York Jets, Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama. However, I think the duo of them falls just below Dawson Knox, but not too far. And then Durham Smythe. I'm I'm sorry, but Durham Smythe blocking tight end, not a receiver at all. Dolphins desperately need to add a tight end. So when looking at all the skill positions, number one team, it's the Buffalo Bills. They've got eight points for this little game I've created. The Jets behind them at 10 points. And then the Dolphins are, or no, actually, they're even less. They're at nine points because of that little change that I made. Dolphins are at, oh, wait, no, because of that change. The Jets and the Bills are both tied at nine. Interesting. So with the skill positions considered, oh, wow. Did not expect this. So then when we consider the offensive line, Jets have the best offensive line, even without a center right now. Dwayne Brown, Lacken Tomlinson, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, and then at right tackle, Makai Becton or Max Mitchell. Best offensive line in the AFC East. Deion Dawkins, Connor McGovern, uh, Mitch Morris, Mitch Morse, Ryan Bates, and Spencer Brown. Close second. Dolphins have the best individual linemen in Teron Armstead, but Eichenberg at left guard, Jackson at right tackle. Not great. Still better than the Patriots, who are going to be starting Riley Reef, journeyman who couldn't start full-time for the Chicago Bears last season. They're starting him at right tackle, which means the Patriots are the number four offensive line in the division. So now, when all is said and done, we go from the Bills being the... So let me let me recount this real quick. One for Josh Allen, four, including the running backs, five, six, seven for the receivers, eight, nine for, yeah. Funny enough, the New York Jets has the Buffalo Bills. The Jets get 10 points with the offensive line. The Buffalo Bills, 11 points. Patriots, 14 points. Patriots, 15 points last in the division. And Dolphins 14th. And I know this isn't a one for one. You can't just say, oh, well, tight end, one point. Quarterback, one point. You all get the same amount of points for a victory. But it's my game. And I had fun creating it. So as it stands right now, if you treat every position equally, the Jets are the best team in the AFC East. The problem is they don't have Josh Allen. And Josh Allen, there's a teardrop. I initially thought about putting all quarterbacks with three points, Tua, 
Aaron Rodgers and Mac Jones, because you can make an argument for any of them. I decided to rank them instead, but it's a teardrop. Josh Allen to everyone else. And that is the difference. But Jets have better receivers once they sign Odell Beckham. Unless the Bills get DeAndre Hopkins. The Jets have a better offensive line. The Jets have a better tight end. The Jets aren't that far behind. The Dolphins aren't that far behind. The Patriots, worst team in the division by far. But the AFC East just getting a little bit more competitive. And what about the Packers after they trade Aaron Rodgers away? When Rodgers is no longer their guy, when Jordan Love is their quarterback? How does the leadership shift? Because two years ago, the Packers changed things up. The Packers went from having an offensive captain, a defensive captain, and a special teams captain to three offensive captains, three defensive captains, and a special teams captain. So two years ago, that change was happened. The captains on offense were Aaron Rodgers, of course, Devontae Adams, and Mercedes Lewis. Obviously, Devontae Adams was traded, so they had to find a new captain. That was Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones, he's the only remaining captain for the Packers. Mercedes Lewis, free agent. We expect him to sign with the New York Jets when Aaron Rodgers does. Aaron Rodgers, no longer there. David Bakhtiari, probably going to be a captain for the Packers in his stead. I'm surprised he wasn't the captain already, but these past few years he's been injured, so that kind of makes more sense when you remember that. But David Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari, will be a captain. And then I don't know who else. I don't know who that other captain will be. It probably has to be Jordan Love because he's the starting quarterback now, but does the team see Jordan Love as a captain? That's going to be telling, but we see Jordan Love as the worst quarterback in the division. QB four in the NFC North. Justin Fields, QB one. I go with Jared Goff. I am obviously biased being a Lions fan, but... I'll take Jared Goff over Kirk Cousins this current edition of both of them because I think we saw the best football from both of them last season. And I think Jared Goff was just a little bit better. But over the course of their career, Kirk Cousins has been more consistent. So my game, my rules, Goff over Cousins. But we continue on and look at running back. And the Lions, I think, clearly have the best running back group in the NFC North Swift is just a better version of Aaron Jones, more electric, more elusive, more explosive, just better across the board other than injuries. But we're talking about when they're healthy and David Montgomery is just a better version of AJ Dillon, arguably one of the best in between the tackles runners in the NFL. David Montgomery shifting from a primary back from the Chicago bears to a committee back the grinder back, the Jamal Williams, number one duo in Detroit, number two with the Green Bay Packers. Number three, I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, and Travis Homer because I don't see Dalvin Cook being on the the Vikings team. I've already written him off. Alexander Madison, now RB1 for the Minnesota Vikings, Kene and Wongwu, and Tykevious Chandler. And if and when that happens, Vikings are worse than the Chicago Bears at running back. If it were today, Dalvin Cook for the Vikings, that shifts things around, but that's not going to happen, so why pretend? At wide receiver, call it my bias, but I'm going to give the Lions number one again. 
Amon Ross St. Brown versus DJ Moore. I'm taking Amon Ross St. Brown. He's younger. He's being more productive early in his career. Maybe that changes with DJ Moore in a real offense, but give me Amon Ross St. Brown over DJ Moore. Give me the upside of Jamison Williams over what we know from Darnell Mooney, who's a solid wide receiver too. Whereas Jamison Williams, I believe, will become a 1B. Not a Chase Claypool fan, so give me Marvin Jones on the field over Chase Claypool on fantasy football. Give me Claypool because Jones will be a part-time player, but Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds over Equinemia St. Brown, so give me the Lions over the Bears. And you're probably thinking, Jack, this is clearly biased. You have the Vikings behind the Bears and the Lions. You got to remember, Justin Jefferson can't do it alone. KJ Osborne's fine, but Jalen Rager is a negative, and he is currently a starting wide receiver for the Vikings. He cost Kirk Cousins two interceptions. I can't. I think it was against the Colts. That he almost cost them the game against the Colts single-handedly by two interceptions from Kirk Cousins that Rager completely caused by just not running his route by just stopping. So Rager causes the Vikings to fall to number three. If they can upgrade over Rager, get a real wide receiver two or three, then we'll talk. For now, Vikings third best wide receiver group. And the Packers are obviously the worst. Christian Watson, the worst wide receiver one of the bunch. Romeo Dobbs, the worst wide receiver two of the bunch. And Samari Toure, maybe he's better than Rager, but that's we haven't seen anything from Samari Torre other than one long touchdown. He barely played last year, but that's still probably better than Jalen Rager. At tight end, clearly the Vikings, TJ Hawkinson, Josh Oliver, clear in a way the number one duo. Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon, easily the number two because the Lions have Brock Wright, James Mitchell, and Shane Zilstra as a three-headed monster at tight end, and the Packers just have Josiah DeGuara, who is just as bad, if not worse, than the trio the Lions have. DeGuara might be the worst starting tight end in the NFL right now. So Packers get the number four, Lions get the three, Bears get the two, and Vikings get the one. So when all is said and done, looking at just the skill position players, the Lions, they get seven points, one slot ahead of the Chicago Bears who get eight. Vikings down at number 11, and the Packers even further down at number 14. This is not the Packers division anymore. They are worse at multiple positions than pretty much every other team. Worst tight end, worst wide receiver. They have solid running backs, the number two set of running backs, and the worst quarterback in the division. So good luck, Green Bay. This is the Lions and Bears running the division now. The Vikings are on the downslope, but we know Quessy is just kind of reloading, revamping things. They'll be okay in the long run. Then you look at the offensive line, and things change quite a bit because the Bears obviously have the worst offensive line, so they go from 8 points to 12 just at the drop of the hat, whereas the Lions, they obviously have the best offensive line. So they just gain 1 point. Lions now at 8. Bears in 2nd with 12. Vikings, 3rd best offensive line. I have them just below the Packers, and just ahead of the Bears. And then the Packers, still way out of contention with 16 points. So Lions, 8, Bears, 12, Vikings, 13, Packers, 16. Remember, you get one point per best division or best position in the division. And so 
based on of my fun little game here. And you can't even consider that, oh, well, Josh Allen, he's the best quarterback, so that changes things completely. No. Justin Fields, I love Justin Fields. I expect big things from him this year, but he isn't head and shoulders above Goff and Cousins yet. He can still have his breakdowns. We expect him to take that leap where he is the difference maker that can single-handedly win games. Just not quite there yet. Lions, division to win. But you already knew that because you have been listening to me for a while now. To round out the news, final couple stories of the day. Speaking of the Detroit Lions, they have offered Teddy Bridgewater a contract to become their backup quarterback, which tells me they're probably not drafting one or don't expect to be able to draft one. Because if they've offered Teddy Bridge, well, no, not necessarily. This would just mean they cut Nate Sudfeld. So never mind. This doesn't mean anything. Teddy Bridgewater is the equivalent to Brian Hoyer, where we can't afford to have Anthony Richardson or Will Levis starting. So we got to have a solid backup. We don't want to force Malik Willis onto the field like the Titans did. So Lions have an offer for Teddy Bridgewater. Could still draft a quarterback. I don't expect them to be able to. Maybe they trade up to three, but I've also seen them trade up to three for Will Anderson in some mocks. Look at me, changing my mind on the show. Teddy Bridgewater signing, potential signing with the Lions wouldn't mean anything. Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon's not happy. He is feeling disrespected. The disrespect is crazy per his Twitter. Now, we don't know exactly what this is about, but we can take a guess that Jarek McKinnon is not happy with the market, with the offers that have been presented to him to play for teams, if they have been presented. And you might notice it's happening to all these veteran running backs. Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler. They're all trying to get paid, and it's not working out for any of them. So where's Jarek McKinnon going to play? Is he going to be back with the Kansas City Chiefs? Is some other team going to pick him up after the draft? I don't know the answer. I think the best thing for McKinnon's career is to return to Kansas City, but maybe they're not coughing up the money because it's the running back position. It'll change after the draft. We'll have more clarity in the coming weeks. We will keep you updated as the moves happen, but it is also clear what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing. They know that they can just win with Patrick Mahomes as long as they have Starting caliber receivers. Richie James joins the Kansas City Chiefs. And Richie James is just a starting caliber receiver. Now he's a wide receiver three. But when you've got Patrick Mahomes throwing to Markel, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's another starting wide receiver, even if he is probably a three. And throwing to Sky Moore, who they expect could become a starting wide receiver. But if not, they have Richie James to slide in anyways. They have Kadarius Toney, who the Chiefs view as a wide receiver one. We'll see if that happens, but it really doesn't matter. The only difference is Juju has been replaced by Richie James. Maybe he's replaced by Sky Moore, and Sky Moore is replaced by Richie James, but that's the one swap out. Justin Watson hasn't been replaced just yet, but we expect that will happen either in the draft or via trade or signing. Maybe they bring back Justin Watson, but... The Chiefs have figured it out. 
invest in the offensive line, protect Patrick Mahomes. And as long as you have startable wide receivers in the NFL, it doesn't matter because Patrick Mahomes will hit them. He will slice and he will dice a defense even when he has no one. Even when Marquez Valdez-Scantling is forced to be the wide receiver one, he can still go over 100 yards because that's just who Patrick Mahomes is. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is incredible.